Good morning. It's seven minutes after 10 o'clock on the Gary Nolan Show. And, uh, boy, we've got uh, Ron Calzone, I think, is coming up. Uh, I think so. That's strange because Ron usually, uh, he and I usually communicate uh, before now. But anyway, uh, we'll see what what's up with Ron Calzone. Uh, MoFirst.org. Uh, then we've uh, we've got the uh, um, Inside uh, Columbia with Columbia Buzz and uh, Mike Murphy. Uh, then Dave Rowland is going to be with us. I and mean, we got a full boat uh, on uh, the Th- Think Tank Thursday. In the last segment, we were talking about Christmas movies, favorite Christmas movies of all times. And Keith came back and said, uh, Wooden Soldiers with Laurel and Hardy. And I said, well, geez, how old are you? How, how, who watched? Uh, well, he sent me a response. He said, I'm 59 and don't even go there. You were an extra in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty rat. Uh, I didn't even think my part stood out like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, now we're going to talk about the economy. Uh, I still think we're getting mixed message. Aaron Headland is with us uh, from the Show Me Institute. Uh, and, and right now, the stock market is going, what? You're, you're going to lower interest rates next year? Woo! And they are hot to trot. Uh, is that a bubble that we're looking at? Or is this good news really? What does Aaron Headland think? Aaron, welcome. How are you? Doing well. How about you? I, too, am well. Uh, do we have a bubble going on here that's that's going to burst? Uh, is this really a, a sign that the economy is going to have a soft landing? Is it really too soon to know? What What do you think? I'd say it's definitely too soon to know. I mean, this is just the latest example of uh, over-eager expectations by Wall Street. I mean, they've been clamoring for the end of rate hikes for the better part of a year, and then... You know, when that clearly didn't materialize, they've been clamoring for rate cuts. And we got some indication from Powell yesterday that rate cuts are on the way, but we're not at 2% inflation yet. So mission is not yet accomplished. Where are we on that, by the way? So core inflation, which is the more stable measure they look at, is still closer to 4%. Um, but then the kind of the headline number is more lower threes because we've had a decline in gas prices. Challenge is you don't want to go by gas prices because those kind of move around up and down. The point is we're still nearly twice what the long-run inflation target is. Is So, yeah, we're down from nine, but we're not there yet. It's sort of like we're approaching the runway. We're still 800,000 feet off the ground. You don't clear mission accomplished until you're actually on the ground. What? Uh, so, actually, then, in, uh, based on your appraisal, um, we won't know until we know. And even then, exactly. And even then, it could actually uh, keep on going, right? I mean, it... yeah, but yeah, the Fed made a mistake like this in the late '60s when they kind of took their their foot off the pedal too early, and then inflation came back. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying that's going to happen now, but I was a little bit concerned by a very subtle pivot that Powell seemed to make in his remarks yesterday when he said that basically they're committed to keeping policy restrictive until they're confident we're on a path to two percent. So he didn't say we're going to keep it restrictive until we're actually at 2%. It's when we're on a path to that. Well, that's like when you're going down the football field and you say, well, we're heading towards the end zone, so we're going to spike the ball. Like, well, no, you have to actually get in the end zone first. Uh, a little bit uh, a little bit concerning. Uh, every time they hire a new government employee, every time they create a new bureaucracy and federal uh, uh, employment rate, you know, the, the number of uh, government employees goes up. Is that not inflationary? 
I mean, where are they getting the money to pay these new people? The incredibly high inflation, you know, 40-year high inflation that we've been seeing over the past couple of years is because of the excess of government spending. And that's why we got that. It wasn't just some spontaneous emergence of inflation that we hadn't seen in decades, nor was it this kind of mysterious supply chain stuff. They may have contributed some component to it. But it really was massive deficits. And we've seen this year compared to last year, the deficit has doubled, which is an insane thing because normally, even if you buy the, the bad economic theories of the kind of the Keynesians in the 60s and 70s, where they said in a recession, you spend more, the deficit goes up, and in, a, in an expansion, you contract the deficit. Well, we're not in a recession, and yet the deficit is doubling. So it's totally irresponsible. Yeah, you know, the other half of the Keynesian theory is that they were supposed to stop spending when the economy started moving. Am I right? You're absolutely right, which is why this is more modern monetary theory kind of gobbledygook. This is not sound economics what we've been seeing in terms of policy over the past couple of years. So if you really want to control inflation, you've got to cut spending. Nobody else can create inflation but the federal government, right? Yeah, you have to look both at what the monetary authorities are doing, which is the Fed, and what the fiscal policy authorities are doing, which is D.C. And monetary policy was late to the game, but thankfully at least did eventually start raising rates. Uh, but meanwhile, the rest of the government has still been spending and spending and spending. And all that debt essentially acts like adding money to the economy. And when you've got too much money chasing too few goods, inflation is what you get. So if, if, if we weren't creating money to pay the bills every year, in other words, if we had, didn't run any deficit, where would inflation be? What would happen to inflation because they're looking at they got a two percent target that's where they want to keep it at but if they didn't outspend the income and run a deficit would inflation be at about zero so i don't think the fed wants inflation to get to zero but i would say that if if our spending was under control if we had much smaller deficits than we did right now then we could have had two percent or sub two percent inflation this entire time i mean going into 2021 we had sub 2% inflation, and it really had been like that for years. It wasn't until the massive surge of spending in the spring of 2021, which had no justification whatsoever. The economy had already recovered from the COVID shock and the shutdowns, and things were reopening. And nevertheless, they threw $2 trillion plus on the fire, and then later on, more and more spending. And that's what created this. So had we not done that to begin with, we would not have seen this inflation. And if we want to get back down to sub 2%, but what we should do is fiscal discipline and more economic growth. Why would you not want inflation at all? So the Fed, you know, the challenge is they don't want inflation to go negative. So their idea is if we can get it to be between one and two, then you sort of have a buffer from zero. And the reason for not going negative, I mean, a lot of people, of course, would love to have prices going down and things getting cheaper. Um, but then you have people who've got debts, and if, if inflation is negative, then the sort of the value of the debt that repaying goes up, and that can create issues. But uh, we're so far from that. You know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to have a debate about having 1% or 2% inflation versus zero, but when we're up at 4 plus, we, we've got a lot of room to catch up on. Well, I, um, I think if we hadn't been doing this since uh, the 30s, prices would be going down every year anyway. The only reason prices are going up, you know, now obviously you've got that odd 
supply chain problem that might come up or a shortage of a particular uh, uh, raw material. But, you know, if you're not increasing the debt, then prices, you know, as productivity continue, uh, would come down. Yeah, I mean, productivity growth is really what this country needs. Uh, That's what will deliver us increases in wages that are not inflationary, increases in what we can purchase, purchasing power going up. And it's it's just astounding that the turnaround we've had, even just over the past several years, when you had from 2017 to 2019, purchasing power after you adjust for inflation went up by $6,000 for the typical family. And from 2019 to 2022, it fell by $4,000. That is a stark turnaround. So... And it's not like we had a particularly low deficit in the late 2010s either. I mean, there's a lot more we could do on the on the fiscal discipline front. Uh, but let's let's accomplish what we can right now, and then deal with our long-term debt situation, which is really troubling. After that, yeah, it does. Uh, it does seem to be. Uh, I think uh, that you know, I keep hearing global warming is the existential threat, and I keep thinking, no, it's this debt. Um, and nobody wants to really deal with it. Uh, Professor Aaron Hedlund from the Show Me Institute, uh, thank you very much. Did you, by the way, put a review up on the on the website of the Economy where it stands today? Can I go there or send listeners there? So we don't have an update based on the announcement yesterday, but absolutely, listeners should go to showmeinstitute.org. We've got a lot of economic analysis and policy analysis there for people to take a look at. All right, and and by the way, if you want me to teach one of your classes, you're you know you're you're busy or something, do feel free to give me a call. I'll 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 go right in and take over for you. Sounds great. Yeah, sure. All right, Professor, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me on. All right, Aaron Hedlund on The Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Coming up, some Second Amendment preservation news. Uh, And that's what we're going to chat about with Ron Calzone. That's going to be at about 1035. So if you've been following the Second Amendment Preservation Act, you'll want to hear what's happening. And we'll let you know next on the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. What's going on with the Second Amendment Preservation Act? We'll find out. That'll be at uh, 1035 when uh, Ron Calzone, a.k.a. Cazzone, comes on the program from over first. I keep hitting the microphone today. I don't know what's the matter with me. Um, I got a, I've got a question for you. I am curious to see who you have for a, for a cell phone carrier. And how uh, and how do you like them? Uh, and I'll and I'll give you some details of what's going on here. I had AT and T since the nineteen nineties. Uh, I got uh, I didn't have one of those uh, uh, briefcase phones, but I did have a big hulking phone, um, and it was AT and T. And I had them until just a couple of months ago. And what I did on impulse, um, I stopped at a uh, at another cell phone company. And they said, you know what? You turn in your old cell phone. We'll give you the latest cell phone, no charge. Uh, You just have to stay with us for, I think, two years. And when we got in there, the guy that uh, was at the the sales clerk said, and we're going to give you a free Netflix. We're going to give you an iWatch. We're going to give you, uh, there was another television thing. I think uh, Apple uh, TV. And it's only going to cost you $125 a month for your two phones. And a couple of bucks more for the for the smartwatches. And we told them, uh, you know, we both got uh, better smartwatches than you're offering, so we're going to keep our watches. We'll take the freebie. I thought, well, I'll give it to my cousin 
uh, for Christmas, and um, it all fell apart. Uh, it turned out that the phone bill was way higher than they said it would be. We never did get the watch. Then they told us we can't get the watch. Then they told us that um, th- th- there was some hitch in the get-along for, for uh, Apple TV and uh, Netflix. And it's like, you know, I can get out of this contract. I just have to buy the phones and I can go anywhere I want. Um, I, I don't know if I should even... Should I mention the name of the phone company that I went to, Brian? I don't want to... I don't want to... Uh, I wouldn't see why not. Um, it, 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 we went from um, AT&T to T-Mobile. And, and then uh, just everything fell apart. And I'm seriously thinking, I'll go pay for the phones and I'll take my phones somewhere else. And, I, and that's why I was curious to find out from you who your carrier is uh, and if you're happy with them. Are they, do you get good coverage? Uh, the price is fair. Um, have they lied to you at all? Uh, because at least the guy in the store where we got our phones lied to us. Told us we were getting the iWatch. We didn't find out till later we're not. Uh, told us we were getting these uh, free uh, Apple TV and, and Netflix, and it turns out we're not. Told us the price would be like 125 bucks, and it turns out it's not. So now I'm thinking, I'm going to go somewhere else. Who have you got? Are they treating you right? Because I, And the other thing I was thinking of doing is something along the lines of what Brian has done. Uh, Brian has, uh, he's just gone with, like, no, no contract uh, carrier at all. And I see these ads on TV, and I think, well, that's... Maybe that's what I should do. Uh, let's see. What do I have here? Um, what? 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 T-Mobile. Okay. Um, so, it, give me an idea where you where you're at, and and whether or not it's uh, it's they're treating you right. Let me check with uh, Gary first. Gary, who do you have for a phone company? Who's your cell phone co- carrier? T-Mobile, T-Mobile? It, was, it was really, really ugly at the beginning, but what I think consumers need to do is to call the Attorney General's office and file a complaint because that's bait and switch, and I think if, if you don't complain and you just buy your phone outright, which is what I did, just buy your phone outright and then negotiate a deal with them, uh, then they just keep going on with that, but it's bait and switch. It's absolutely unethical. So this wait, 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 wait. So you did this with T-Mobile, and somehow you had the same problem? A very similar problem with their internet. Uh, I had T-Mobile phones, but I I bought my phones outright, which I I think it's just a license for them to steal when you don't. And then I got their home internet. And I had a huge issue, and finally, after several months of complaints and talking to, I don't know, someplace back on the West Coast, um, all of a sudden I got the deal that I was offered originally, and my 
two or three hundred dollar a month self. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> you're just you just went dead silent. I think they know you're talking about them. <laughs> uh, probably so. I, I my my internet bill went from several hundred dollars down to the forty dollars that they promised. If as long as I had my phones with them. And I don't remember the details. It's been a couple years ago, but it. I do think that filing a complaint with the attorney general's office did help. All right. Gary, thank you for the call uh, and the advice. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Wow. Uh, so that was uh, the same company. <laughs> I'm starting to get a feeling here. Uh, let me go to the phones and get uh, Gene on the line. Gene, who do you have? Uh, you know, we've been changing over to Visible Wireless, which a lot of people don't know about. They're actually owned and run by Verizon, so it runs on the Verizon network. So anywhere you have Verizon, you have Visible. And why I like them it's very simple. There, there's no strings attached. There's no con. Uh, there's no contract. It's twenty five bucks a month for unlimited everything, uh, and that includes, I think, Mexico and Canada calling. And for thirty five bucks a month, you can get the deluxe package. But you buy your phone up front, or you can finance it over twenty four months. And uh, you know, it's just it's been easy. The only caveat with them is is that there are no tech people that you can talk to on the phone everything is done chat over the internet but uh we've been with them for quite a while now very happy with them and i've been with at&t for oh goodness decades and at&t cost me 65 bucks a month for the same thing and i went from that to 25 bucks a month so i've, I've been pretty happy with that give, give me the name of that company again it's visible just like being able to see visible wireless okay i that's me writing <laughs> at the same time i'm uh, all right, that sounds encouraging. And you have no problem yeah. with coverage because it's... No, because they run on the Verizon network, and Verizon, you know, they're one of the top three. So, actually, the reason that we went to them is I, I kind of own a valley up here in northwest Missouri, and in our valley we have no coverage from anybody but uh, Verizon, and so uh, that's why we ended up switching to them, and we've been really happy with it. All right. Gene, thank you very much. You bet. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, let's... See, uh, buy my own phone, pay 20 so I use Ting for my phone. I buy my own phone and pay 20 so there are uh, There are just all kinds of options out there, Hanson, that are, yes, there are. pretty reasonable. Um, I've got the most reasonable phone of all. You, you, you pay for the minutes separately, right? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. And what happens if you run out of minutes? It's unlimited minutes right now. It's 10 bucks a month. 10 bucks a month? Yeah. It's the uh, OMN, Obama Mobile Network. <laughs> it works great. The Obama Mobile Network. You haven't heard of that, huh? Uh, well, I, I, <laughs> I did hear about the Obama phone, but no. I, yeah. I wasn't familiar no, but with it. With all seriousness, you just purchase a phone for 100 bucks. And it's nine ninety nine a month. You can do everything that you're currently doing, including web, pictures, text, unlimited. Can I everything. bring my phone to that? The only difference is, is they get you on bandwidth. Or if you use the network, if I'm in my car and I have to use their network to get information, but I don't need that. I just use the internet's where I go. Hmm. Works perfectly. Well, I'm going to go and uh, get the news ready. And in the meantime... We're going to find out about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. Something is going on with it, and Ron Calzone knows he'll share it next on The Gary Nolan Show. This is The Gary Nolan Show. 
Game changer. That's the headline at Como Buzz. That's with one Z. ComoBuzz.com. Boone County plans $5 million child care center for first responders. We'll find out about that. Dave Rowland is uh, going to be with us as well. Uh, we will, among other things, talk about a case. Brentwood business sues to block blight designation. Apparently, they're uh, doing that eminent domain thing again. But uh, if you've uh, been a listener for any time, length of time at all, you know that I am a uh, an ardent supporter of the Second Amendment. I have several firearms, um, and I carry concealed. And, uh, well... Missouri passed the Second Amendment Preservation Act, and I think it is the best thing ever. But it's been kind of put on hold, and I am told we can get an update on this from Ron Calzone, MoFirst.org. Calzone. Yeah. Ron, good morning. Good morning, Gary. How are you? I am doing well. By the way, if I didn't mention it, it's now 37 minutes after 10 o'clock. What is going on with the Second Amendment Preservation Act? Well, as you alluded to, it, it has had kind of been put on hold. Remember, back in March of 2023, Judge Weems and what Judge Andrew Napolitano called one of the worst opinions he's ever seen. One, he said that if one of his law students had written, he would have failed him. He would have flunked him out if he, if a law student had, had written an opinion like this. Judge Weems said that the Second Amendment Preservation Act was unconstitutional in its entirety. Uh, AG, Missouri AG Andrew Bailey asked for a stay on the injunction that Judge Weem issued, and he granted that pending review of that that stay by the uh, Court of Appeals. Now, if, if I can interrupt here, his argument wasn't that the law itself was badly written. I believe his objection was the, the reason... It was written. Am I am I correct? Am I on the right well, track? That's right. Of course, as you have have stated a number of times on the radio, I've heard you say that that all the Second Amendment Preservation Act does is tell Missouri officials they're not allowed to participate in the enforcement of federal gun control laws, and absolutely, Missouri has the authority to do that. There's a whole, you know, there's a four, five, six federal Supreme Court cases that that support the, the authority of a state to make a decision like that. But in SAPA, the General Assembly expressed their opinion that federal gun control laws were unconstitutional. And, of course, that's immaterial. Whether they're constitutional or not, uh, Missouri has the right to say you can't enforce federal uh, gun control laws. We don't have the right to tell federal officials they can't enforce them. We just have the right to tell Missouri officials they can't enforce them. And so... That's why I think uh, Judge Napolitano thought that it was such a terrible misuse of logic or lack of logic. And, and so there's, you know, the, the, the prospects for this as it proceeds forward and on the appeals looks very good. But in the meantime, there's a lot of confusion. Law enforcement doesn't know what to do with this, and I'll explain why that, that's the case in just a minute. But bottom line is, is that uh, later in the fall, the Court of Appeals said that, no, they're not going to continue the stay, so that means that Judge Weems' uh, ruling would be his injunction on enforcement would be enforced. So the Andrew, uh, I'm sorry, uh, our, our Attorney General uh, immediately asked the Supreme Court 
to issue a stay on that injunction. So had the Supreme Court agreed with that, then that would mean that the Second Amendment Preservation Act would continue to be in force until the litigation was finished. Well, the Supreme Court denied that motion for a stay. And and so that's what's kind of, that's the state that we're in right now. But what complicates the matter is is that number one, uh, Justice Thomas said he would grant this application for stay, so he thinks that it should be stayed. But Gorsuch and Alito, they made a statement that sure makes it sound like they believe that the enforcement mechanism of the Second Amendment Preservation Act is still in effect. So they said that an injunction purporting to bind private parties, not before the district court, or the challenge provisions themselves, however, would be inconsistent with the equitable powers of federal courts. And they cite the case Whole Woman's Health versus Jackson, which, of course, is uh, the, the Texas uh, anti-abortion law that empowers private citizens to, to sue, just like SAPA empowers private citizens to sue. That's probably all kind of complicated, but the bottom line is is that there's at least two Supreme Court judges that say that SAPA is still, it still has its teeth. SAPA still has its teeth, and it's hard to know how that would come about, come around if it, you know, if it was uh, became a, a legally contested issue. But certainly, that leaves law enforcement kind of wondering: Are they susceptible to the provisions of SAPA or not? It's all kind of confusing, and so we really it needs to get resolved as soon as possible so everyone knows where they stand. So the the new news, the good news is, is that finally. Uh, oral arguments before the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals have been set. And so the week of February 12th, next year, uh, sometime during that week, we're not sure when, the oral arguments will be presented before a three-judge panel, uh, which has not been selected yet, to my knowledge. Uh, but at least uh, it is pro- progressing, and you know it's hard to know how long after that oral arguments we'll actually get an opinion from them, but uh, things are moving along. And well, of course, what we want them to move all the way to the Supreme Court because we want the Supreme Court to say states can use anti-commandeering to protect themselves from federal intrusion. Yeah, I was going to say it's um, it's not decided even when that's done because no matter who prevails, then it'll be let's go on bank and then it'll be let's go to the uh, you know the Supreme Court, and that's where you finally want it to be resolved. Uh, but until we do. The, the question, though, however, is is let's say that the three judge panel says that that certainly Missouri and any other state has the right to do what we did with SEPA, then it's hard to say whether the DOJ will appeal or not. Oh, you know, they, please, they absolutely. You uh, think they will? Oh, absolutely. They're, they're, the only thing that might stop them is fear that if it gets to the Supreme Court and they lose, the game is over permanently. That's my point. Uh, and so th- there is that possibility. But uh, the anti-gun people really want this to go down the dumper. And I don't understand the confusion on the part of law enforcement. It's really pretty clear to me. I don't understand why they're confused. What is it? And, and we ought to, we could ask Dave Rowland about this because he helped uh, to craft it. But what is it that they're confused about? Well, the law itself, the underlying law itself, is very, very simple. Yeah. You know, the bottom line is, is if you don't, if you want to make sure that you don't run afoul of SEPA, you just don't help the feds in any form or fashion uh, enforce federal gun control laws. Now, it, there are a couple of exceptions. You know, if 
a gun, a federal gun charge is ancillary to certain other crimes. Robbing a bank? Well, robbing a bank, uh, you know, f- yeah, um, frankly, I'm not sure, but it would be a crime against a person or certain drug offenses. So I don't know that robbing a bank is n- would necessarily always be a crime against a person, but... Well, it's a federal... Felony, felony against a person. doesn't matter whether it's federal or not. But, but the point is, though, is it's really not that hard to make sure you don't run afoul. But the confusion, actually, is whether or not the injunction has any effect. Again, because we have two of the brightest, in my opinion, U.S. Supreme Court justices, Gorsuch and Alito, that say the federal judge doesn't have the power to place an injunction that binds private parties that aren't even part of the lawsuit. I want this to be over. I want them to to hear this out because it it seems pretty simple to me. If it's against state law, and a lot of those laws overlap, if it's against state law, you press state charges, you go to state court. If the federal government wants in, they could do their own investigation, press their own charges, bring their own agents to the state. Well, actually, virtually all of them overlap now that the bump stock ban has been found to be unconstitutional you know so the bump stock ban was one of the few if not about the only exception and you know because missouri doesn't have a bump stock ban but you know you cannot own a machine gun in missouri yeah you you know you cannot you cannot own a suppressor in missouri without buying a federal tax stamp all by missouri law we want to change that but that's the state of the law right now so i mean there's there's very few things that um I, i mean i should restate that there's virtually nothing that's in federal law that's not also reproduced in state law. So, so you're going to only charge in state court. Right. That uh, makes, it, makes it abundantly simple, and that's until this is all resolved, that's what law enforcement needs to understand. And states are doing this ev- everywhere. A lot of states are doing this uh, with regard to smoking marijuana. It's against federal law, but they can't enforce it because it's not against state law. And the same thing applies to certain immigration laws in some states. I, I Ron, I, I don't, uh, I don't understand their real objection. It's baffling to me. Really, well, is. The, the reason, the reason that some members of law enforcement want to charge people with federal crimes is because if you if you are convicted of a federal crime, you'll be you'll more certainly do more time in jail. You know, so they they typically are have to do eighty percent of their sentence in jail. And Missouri has a problem. I think it's a genuine problem with our uh, probation system, you know, our parole system. So the Missouri Parole Board, I think, is kind of messed up. And people are serving, you know, I mean, genuinely bad people who ought to be in jail are serving a fraction of the time that they should. And that's got people in law law enforcement justifiably upset. I get that, but you don't trample people's Second Amendment rights or otherwise subject them to, you know, to the arbitrary and capricious uh, rulings or, or edicts of Joe Biden uh, just because we have a problem with the Missouri Parole Board. Well, time will tell. Uh, in the meantime, uh, MoFirst.org. Uh, and we do have a SAPA resource page. So if you go to MoFirst.org on the top, near the top right-hand corner, you'll see a link for the SAPA resource page. You can download all of the court documents there. 
and see exactly what you know what the briefs have been filed say and what the Supreme Court has said so far. But it's cool. The thing that's cool is is that we know that we have at least three Supreme Court justices that are paying attention to this case. They apparently appreciate SEPA. We only need four of them to say yes. We want to accept this case once it does go through the Eighth Circuit. So we we probably have three. We just need one more. All right, Ron. Thank you so much for being on board, letting us know where we stand on the Second Amendment Preservation Act. We'll chat with you. Uh, are we going to chat with him next week? Yeah, we, uh, there's no reason why not, is there? Or am I on vacation? I don't know. Are you Are you on vacation next week? It's going to be close. Yeah. We'll let you know, Ron. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take care. You do. All right. Uh, Rob Reiner going after Christian nationalism. That's next. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It's 10.52. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Mike Murphy is going to be with us. Como Buzz with one Z. He'll be on about uh, 5 after 11. Game Changer is the headline. Boone County plans $5 million child care center for first responders. We'll get to the details on that and whether it's a good investment, whether or not uh, I'm in favor of it. Well, I'll, I'll know when, when Mike's done explaining it to us. In the meantime, Rob Reiner is uh, he, truly, the, you know, his nickname on All in the Family uh, was uh, Meathead. And he keeps that nickname throughout his entire life. Well, it's time for you, Chef Tierby. Yeah, you uh, are a meathead. Uh, well, he truly is. Uh, <laughs> he is now uh, going after Christianity. He says, uh, Rob, uh, Rob Reiner takes on Christian nationalism uh, as a threat in uh, God and Country, and, and we've got the trailer for it. Let's play that, Brian. We bring that up here. So they wasn't can... quite ready. Well, you know, that's the sign of a bad producer. Oh, yeah. Not after ready. <laughs> after 15, I just wanted to let you know. Fifteen years, I'm used to it. It's <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> and here we go. America and Christianity are like baseball and apple pie. And we celebrate them together. I was 16, 17 years old when I became a Christian. I'm an evangelical minister. I've been a Christian my whole life. I'm a Christian nationalist. I have nothing to be ashamed of because that's what most Americans are. Is Christian nationalism Christian? Um, no, it isn't. We should be blazing forth as a countercultural example, and instead, we're leading the charge of malice and division. Christian nationalism uses Christianity as a means to an end, that end being some form of authoritarianism. Being a Christian is about the values of inclusion. Christian nationalism is certainly not based on the values of the gospel. God wants America to be saved. They're told over and over and over again that you're in danger. You need to fight if you don't want to lose your country. We are in a civil war between good and evil. This is not a movement about Christian values. This is about Christian power. What happens to the people who don't believe this stuff? We are on the precipice. God is on our side. We're taking our nation back. The thing that keeps me up at night is that we lose democracy. Does that seem possible? Yes. Christianity at its best is committed to love and truth and justice. 
If we do this right, what a country we will be. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so, uh, you know, this... this uh, their definition of Christianity, I think, is subjective. Their ideas of what should be accepted is subjective. And if you disagree with them, then apparently you're the bad guy. Now, uh, everybody knows, we've talked about it on the radio in the past, I have all kinds of questions about the existence of of God as I was introduced to the topic. And, uh, you know, it, um, I started, uh, you know, in, in grade school. I went to a Catholic grade school. They started right away uh, telling us about, uh, you know, God and the Bible and all of that. So it's, it's a little hard to shake. But I do have a lot of questions and a lot of uh, doubts about uh, everything that's taught to me. But here's what I do know. I do know that Christianity... And Judaism don't preach hate. They just don't. I I have no objection uh, to people believing in God, lock, stock, and barrel, and believing in you know doing unto others as they would have do unto you. And and uh, you know what what exactly is so horrible about the Ten Commandments? Uh, although uh, uh, there's one comedian who I think is brilliant uh, that kind of reduced the number to like two or three. But still, um, that's George Carlin, by the way. You can look that up. But what the suggestion of this, uh, they're calling it a documentary, is is that somehow the view of Christianity in America that is uh, commonly held by conservatives is somehow not acceptable. Uh, so Meathead will strike again. He'll he'll make this thing, and and uh, it won't be something that really moves the needle. Only the young. Well, actually, it might come to think of it when I if it's if it's uh, something that they uh, can inflict on young school uh, yeah. on young school children. It just might. Here's what James Carville said: This is a bigger threat than al-Qaeda to this country. Let me tell you something. They've got the Speaker of the House. They've probably got at least two Supreme Court justices, maybe more. Don't kid yourself. This is a fundamental threat to the United States. Yeah. Anything that isn't progressive socialist, neo-communist, is somehow a threat to the United States. Their version of progressive is my version of destructive. But if I'm not in, in, you know, uh, in their camp, if I'm not on board, I'm the bad guy. All right, we're going to find out just exactly what this game-changing Boone County $5 million child care center is all about next with Como Buzz and Mike Murphy on Gary Nolan. This is the Gary Nolan Show.